What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and to have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Sam Acho, NFL linebacker, humanitarian, speaker, podcaster, author, husband, and rad father. We discuss fatherhood and his new book, Let the World See You. This is powerful for fathers as we must embrace who we are so that we can fully lead and guide our families. Enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Sam Acho. All right, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. So pumped. Been counting down the minutes to be talking to you, Sam. Sam Acho, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh man, I'm doing fantastic. Stoked to talk fatherhood with you. Just finished reading your book. And so, so much good content. And I just want to give a shout out to my friend, Dennis Carlson. He heard you speak at an international justice mission event um, and said, dude, try to get this guy on your podcast because he is incredible. So yeah, I love international justice mission, what they're doing. It sounds like you're pretty involved with them. Yeah, no, they're awesome. I got a chance to speak at their uh, they do a prayer retreat and usually we do it, they do it in person, but obviously because everything going on, it was via Zoom. And so I was invited to speak at the prayer retreat via Zoom for the North America region for International Justice Mission, which was awesome. I know them. When we go back, I got a chance to go with them to Guatemala. Uh, and what they do is they fight sex trafficking, human, uh, human, human trafficking, forced labor, et cetera. And so got a chance to, to do that. And it was amazing. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I think it was 12 years ago. I don't know when Gary Haugen came out with his first book, but that's when I read it. it was 12 years ago. I got a chance to go to Cambodia and work in Svei Pak, one of the epicenters of child sex trafficking, and just got into that, taught it to my kid, you know, t- talk about it with my children. And, and it's a big deal, you know, especially as Americans who life is life can be pretty fluff. Uh, we got it pretty good. So cool. So, uh, in about a minute or so, why don't you say what you do uh, so people can understand who I'm talking to here? Awesome. Yeah. So name is Sam Macho. I've played the last nine years in the NFL, National Football League, played for the Chicago Bears, Arizona Cardinals, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had a, had a brief stint in Buffalo for a little bit. And yeah, that's what, I'm in, that's what I've been doing the last nine years. I'm married uh, to my wife. Her name is Ngazi. We have three kids, two boys and a girl. Love just serving people serving people, um, getting to know Jesus better. I wrote a book called Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. And that just came out. And that's really been an overflow of my heart. It talks about what it means to be seen, to be known, to be loved, to be who God made you to be. So in a lot of ways, I'm a writer as well. Yeah. And yeah, you could say humanitarian, but really, I just, I just want to see the world become better. So you really have grown into waking up every day and being the human being that God created you to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a daily decision. I'm learning every yeah. day. Like, how yeah. do you, how do you be real? How do you not wear masks? And I'm talking about like the figurative mask that we wear when we hide or we pretend whether out of fear or shame or guilt, like those are things that I would deal with even playing in the NFL. This, you know, you're the, the mucks of the best of the best and the biggest right. and the brightest. And yet there's still shame and there's still fear, fear, and there's still anxiety, and there are these emotions. Yes, there are the highs, right? The Super Bowl victories and the million-dollar contracts, but there are also the lows, the feelings of loneliness and sadness, and and that happens with everyone. And so I'm learning that life is about the ups and the downs. Life's about the good and the bad. Life's about the highs and the lows. You can't, and I talk about this in my book, you can't choose which emotions 
that you accept, right? Okay, I'm, I'm only going to, I'm not going to be sad or mad. I'm just going to be happy all day. No, yeah. you cut off one emotion, you cut off all of them. And I'm, I'm speaking that from experience. I'm a guy who's overflowing oftentimes with joy. There's a verse in the Bible that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Like for me, that's where my strength comes from. And so I would say, okay, I got to be joyful and happy. But then when something bad would happen or something that should cause me to be sad, I would try not to be sad. No, I'm not supposed to be sad. Yeah. You know? And then, I think that's- of, you know, and then instead of, uh, and then, but then what would happen too was like, instead of being sad, I wouldn't find myself not getting as excited or happy mm. about things that I would enjoy too. Yeah. I think it's powerful because, and I think what's so cool is, you know, with your career, really, we look at you and go, oh, they got it all figured out. They so confident, you know, so to be vulnerable and go no, at every stage of life, regardless of where you fall, there's, I'm still a real, real person. And it's real to feel those vulnerable feelings. And the fact that you use the word joy I think is such an incredible word because joy to me is different than happy. Like happy is like an emotion that I'm always happy. You know, I'm happy joy. You could experience in suffering. Right. And which is really, I think what you go into when you embrace yourself, you can still have joy even in the messiness of life. Absolutely. And that there's a huge difference because you can choose joy and like yeah you could choose happiness mm. you can choose to be joy even when there's sad things that are happening like you yeah can- yeah for sure because it's almost like if i choose to be happy i'm pretending like that messiness doesn't exist but if i choose joy but i still go i'm still allowing myself to have grief or str- like embrace the struggle not pretend it's not there because if we pretend dude then you fall apart yeah there's a i know this isn't like a you know Bible-based podcast. We can talk about whatever we want, man. But there's a, there's a Bible verse in, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. It says, and it talks about choosing joy. Mm. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, though the produce from the olive fail and the fields yield no food, it says, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there, and and the cattle produce no young so it's pretty much tells a story like though everything bad happens yeah it goes on to say yet and still i will rejoice in the lord i will choose joy i will rejoice in the lord it says i will take i will take joy in the god of my salvation it says that god the lord is my strength he makes my feet like the deers and he makes me tread or to walk upon my high places so that, if there's any picture of what choosing joy looks like, it looks like choosing joy in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of fear, in the midst of doubt. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, the produce from the olive, though everything is going bad, yet and still I will choose to rejoice. I will mm. choose to take joy in God because I know that this pain, or better yet, this pruning is producing something better inside of me. So I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to say, oh, it didn't happen, right? If I could just tell a quick story. I, 2018, yeah. Early 2019, I, was, I just finished up my eighth year in the NFL and, and I got released. First time in my whole NFL career, I got released by, by a team. I got released by the Chicago Bears and I was coming off of an injury and all these things. But I remember I went to this lady named Katie Nagel. She's the assistant to the to the chairman of the team and her and I developed a relationship and, and I, I was leaving the facility. I just packed up all my stuff and I was walking out through the lunchroom partially to get some last minute snacks, but also <laughs> to, go to, the, to go to the car. And I saw Katie and she said, Oh, Hey Sam, how are you doing? I said, Hey Katie, I'm doing great. And I wish y'all could see, uh, see me right now. But as I was saying it, I said, I said, Hey, with a smile on my face I said, Hey Katie, just letting you know, I just got released from the team with a smile on my face. Yeah. And she, did a double take. She said, wait, wait, really? What do you mean? I, I said, yeah, the bears just released me. So I'm saying goodbye. And she looked at me. She said, Sam, looking at your face, I would have thought you were telling me good news. I am so sorry for your loss. We're going to miss you. And with that, we kind of walked away and And that moment stuck with me because I realized that that was a mask that I wore. Hey, this bad thing happened, but it's okay. Like it didn't really happen. It never, it didn't hit me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a better response for me would have been like Katie or whoever, like, Hey, I just want to say thank you for all you've done. Like, I'm like, I don't even know how to feel right now. Right. Right. Bad thing. 
right? But I just want to say thank you. But instead, I'm like, no, it's all good. And and that moment taught me that it really emphasized or really like nailed down the point of man, Sam, I do like personally, I do wear masks. Yeah. And why do I wear them? What are they keeping me from? And what am I trying to hide? For me, I was trying to hide the fact that, man, this is a new thing for me, not being yeah. Not really not being on a team. I've been a free agent before signing one year contracts, but no, this is different. I, I was cut. I was released one year into my two year contract. It was new. It was different. I wanted to yeah. seem like everything was okay and it wasn't. Mm, mm. Well, I really want to get into the book and I want to talk about the mask because I think it relates to fathers on two levels, but I'm going to hit you with uh, a few questions before, and then let's jump right back into that. And I'll, and I'll get specific with the questions. So as you became a father, you know, you're working in the NFL, you are, uh, you have three children married, uh, you're, you were born here. So you kind of have like American culture and then your, your wife was born in another country. And so you're, you're, you're navigating that. So tell me what were the best resources for you as a young father? Because, you know, you're also a husband, father, big career. So what were some of the best resources for you? My dad was the best mm. resource. So, so yeah, my, I was born in America. My, my wife, yes, she was born in Nigeria, but my parents were also born and raised in Nigeria. Right. And so though I grew up in America, quote unquote, and people may or may not be able to understand this, but I grew up in a Nigerian household. Right. So right. The foods we ate were Nigerian food. Even my name, my name is, you know, oh, Sam Acho. No, my name is Samuel Onyedi Kachi Acho. That's my name. And so I grew up with the foods, the language, um, the culture, with family being really important, faith in God being really important, uh, respect being really important. So I grew up in a Nigerian household. And so for me, one of the biggest resources as a young father was, was my dad. having. And when I say that, it wasn't like, hey, dad, how do I parent this way? Because that can be tough too, right? Like yeah. you're taught that you, know, as, you, know, you, leave, you, know, you leave your mother and father, you go with your wife, y'all start your own journey. But when I when I say my dad, I mean like remembering some of the things that I liked yeah. and that I didn't like in how I was raised. Yeah. So there were some things I was like, man, where I was like, man, I'm so glad that my dad did it this way. So glad when it comes to just like the guidance, the discipline, like so glad. There were some other things where I said, man, like I wish I wish you wouldn't have done it that way. Right, right. So thinking about those things as a resource. Another resource was having older mentors. There's a guy by the name of Jerry Price. I talk about him in my book and let yeah. me see you. He was a mentor of mine who was a great dad and a great husband as well. And just being in his presence was extremely beneficial and helpful for me. So it was all these, it was these father figures in my life who I could look to. Another guy by the name of Dave, Dave Sweet. Uh, I met him in Arizona as well. He was an older man who was a dad and a husband and had been married for years. I would just be in these men's presence, yeah. to watch and to observe and to uh, absorb some of the things that they were doing as parents. And it taught me that, okay, my way may not be the best way. My dad's way may not have been the best way. Dave or Jerry's way may not be the best way, but man, I could just grab the mm-hmm. fruit from the, from their ways to try and incorporate it. And, and I'll end, I'll end with this. It was a struggle. Like, let me not come on this podcast and be like, oh, yeah, man, the best dad ever do. The first five years of marriage, we had a honeymoon baby, which I'm so pumped about. I w- I'm super excited. Like, yeah. On a honeymoon, boom, boom. And nine months later, pop, out, out pops uh, our oldest. But it was a struggle, man. And not a struggle because I wasn't excited to be a dad. I just didn't know how to be a dad. Yeah, you're like thrown into it. It's new. Yeah. No, there's no playbook. Like, I wish I maybe that'll be the next thing I write, like a book about how hard it is to be a dad because there's no playbook on fatherhood. They don't tell you how you see your insecurities in your children. Nobody tells you that. Nobody tells you how angry they can make you or how sad you can become or how you act differently. There's no playbook on that. And so it was hard and it still is hard, but I'm learning how to give more grace to myself, to be kind to myself and to be kind to my children as well. Mm. Dude, so powerful. So a couple just major nuggets in there is like one, you said your dad right out the gate, and it was because he was consistent with you. May not have been everything you love, but he was consistent. So like dads, every one of us, I mean, Sam, you, me, and then everybody listening, one day our kids might be asked that question, and they're going to have a response, my dad. And when they say my dad, what is, does that mean? Is it good? Is it bad? And it comes down to consistency. And then two, I think a lot of men, I don't know why we think at age 20, we now have to figure out life on our own. We don't. But mentors, and when you when you talk to a, 
a man who is intentional, we're not perfect, but intentionally trying to step into the role of husband and father, they are always saying mentor. So don't do this alone. You need people. And maybe that's why there's not a playbook, right? So God set it up. So we have to rely on the village. We have to rely on not just ourselves, but going to other sources to gain wisdom and knowledge. So I just think, man, super powerful. Now, second question, when you think of the role of the father in just like a minute or so, what would you say the role of the father is? Provider, protector, priest, Mm. and prophet. Mm. I got that from my dad. Yeah. (laughs) He told me that when I was getting ready to get married. Okay. My dad's a marriage counselor, but also he's been married for almost 40 years and 38 years now. And without telling the whole story, because y- y'all can read it in the book. There's a chapter, chapter 12, it's called Blessing. Go read that chapter. But I remember getting ready to propose to my wife and do this whole marriage thing. And my dad said, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm ready. And he said, no, but are you ready specifically for, specifically to be the provider for your family? Mm. Like, yeah, I could provide, but, but it was like, no, not just, not just financially, provide physically for your wife, right? When it comes to, and that's like being strong enough to provide physically, whether it's sex or whatever, right? Physically, are you ready? Emotionally, are you ready to provide, right? Not just to check out, a lot of dads, a lot of men love to just check out if something's hard. That's not, not a knock, it's just kind of, we're still learning, we like check out so we don't get overly angry. Emotionally, can you provide? Physically, emotionally, mentally, Right. You're mentally prepared, uh, you know, spiritually. So there's that provider. And then obviously the protector. Right. There's that piece. The the priest. Right. Are you ready to like pray for your wife and your kids like you are? Everything goes through you. I don't care what anybody else says. Big like responsibility, big responsibility. The priest, the prophet. Are you going to speak into your family's life and say, this is where we're going to go? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the responsibilities. Provider, protector, priest, prophet. And so when I think about what it takes to be a, a good dad and a good husband, those are the four P's I will give you all. Man, love it. Yeah, so maybe that should be the next book. Okay. <laughs> so this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and we're doing it already, right? We're, we're opening up your field notes, which is, I mean, you put a, so much of the vulnerable pieces into your book. So I encourage people, we're going to talk about it, but check it out. Um, but Fatherhood Field Notes, it's what we're doing. And the mantra behind it all is rebel and create. And this is my personal mantra. And what I'm talking to with, with men is we all are fighters, warriors, right? We want something to fight for, but we don't want to be rebellious just for the sake of being destructive, right? But what's something that you are rebelling against so that you can build something, create something out of it. And it could be, I'm rebelling against being on my cell phone on Friday nights for family movie night or family dinner night or whatever Two, I'm rebelling against, you know, wearing a mask and not being myself. So when you think, of yourself, what is something you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? I'm rebelling against what I'm daily trying to rebel against is, is, is I had a, I've been meeting with a counselor and not as of recent, but especially when during this book process and every now and again, meet with this counselor and during one of our first meetings, we had a conversation and I'm saying this, sometimes I, I answer stuff better in stories. That's why I do stuff on TV and I'm like, oh, it doesn't always work because they need one minute answers. I'm like, I got 30 minutes of stories for you. But as I'm meeting with this counselor, we're talking and he said, Sam, sooner or later, you're going to have to put the bat away. And I'm sitting like, what is this dude talking about? This dude, did he miss here? Like I told him I'm a football player, but what did he put the bat away? <laughs> Wrong <laughs> analogy. Right. Like y'all, this guy. And and I said, well, what do you, what, what bat, what are you talking about? And he said, the one you use to beat yourself up with. Ah. Sooner or later, you need to put it away. And I responded in a snark manner. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll put it away. But I know exactly where to go when I need to go get it again. Mm. And so what I am rebelling against is I'm rebelling, rebelling against the bat, the bat. And, and, and when I think about a bat, imagine inside of your heart or inside of your mind, there's this bat, you keep it in the corner, right? Nobody else sees it, but you know exactly where it is when you do something that you feel was wrong or you ever feel ashamed, 
or you feel stupid. Can't believe I made that decision. I got fooled. We just go pick up that bat and, and use it to beat myself up with. So I'm rebelling against, against the bat. I'm trying to put the bat away. And in response, it's not just I put it away and I just sit there like, oh, let me not beat myself up. Yeah, no, yeah. in response, um, what I'm trying to create is, is an environment in which I can be kind to myself. That's another thing that the counselor said. He said, be kind to yourself. And what that looks like, what that means is, as men, each and every one of us have, yes, we're adults and we're men and we are warriors. But we also have these little kids inside of us that want to be loved and that want to just be present, that want to play and that that sometimes feel scared or feel afraid or ashamed. We have these little kids inside of us. And when I say be kind to yourself, I mean, like, be kind to that, that little kid inside of you who is just dying to come out, allow yourself to cry, to mourn. If something bad happens, so many of us are losing loved ones mm-hmm. because of COVID, right? And mourn. Don't just say, I got to be strong. There are times, yes, to be strong, but there are also times to mourn. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter three, there's a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time, you know what I mean? Like a time to rebel and a time to create. There are times that's not specifically in the Bible. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you know, but there's a, there are times for everything. There are times to rebel as a man. There are times to create. There are also times to conform. There are also times to um, build up and lift up. It's not always, I'm going to do my own thing. No, you need to step, get in line. As a dad, you need, your kids need to fall in line. Your job and responsibility isn't to say, well, my kids will just do whatever. No, like a gardener, specifically gardens and prunes his plants so they can fall in line and grow the way he wants them to grow. Mm, That's mm. our jobs as fathers, right? Fall in line as a, as a, if you're a hunter, right? You don't just get your arrow and say, well, I'll just kind of just wherever it goes, it goes, right? Get your, you know, you know, you aim, you aim that thing, right? Find your target, pick a target, aim, and you let it go. And so as dad's our children need to fall fall in line. And as sons, sometimes we need to fall in line mm-hmm. under our fathers or our mentors or our you know spiritual advisors. We need to get advisors who we, who we can fall in line under. We need to fall in line. We Yes, rebel. Yes, create. But also sometimes you need to fall in line. Mm. Sam, okay, I want to make a point here for all these, for myself and everybody. What you just did, what you just said, I know resonates with me and resonates with everybody, the bat scenario. And I want to go back for a moment. And and when I'm editing this, I would normally cut out that, you know, five second pause, right? But I want to say, when I asked that question to Rebel and Create, Sam didn't have this, all right, I'm on podcast, I'm on the news, I'm on TV, let me give an answer that everybody's going to go, wow, that guy. You stopped, you looked away, you closed your eyes. You got into yourself, I would say, and go, really, what is what is Sam's real answer? And that goes right to your book. I mean, I how to be how to be real in a world full of fakes. So you didn't give a fake answer to just sound good for the question. Like you went into it and really thought, what is Sam's answer? And then you gave an answer that resonates with all of us. Like us dudes are so, I mean, human beings, but we're so hard on ourselves. And that just trickles down to our kids. Like, I don't want my son to be hard on himself the way I am. And if I don't break that myself, then my son is going to deal with that stuff, you know? So I just want to say that right here, right now, your response to one, one question I ask everybody shows the truth and the vulnerability behind like letting the world see you. You know, so I love it. And I, I just, I just love it, man. Love it. Um, hmm, where to go? Okay. Well, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about that. There's two aspects of this that I think are powerful. One is coming off of what we just discussed. And that is that as a father, our children so desperately need us to be us, right? So I'd like to talk about that for a few minutes. And then the other piece to that is, All of us, you know, something you say several times in the book is like to be seen, like allow yourself to be seen. And I think we'd all agree. We all want to be seen, heard, known, right? For who we really are. And your 
your responsibility is to, to see your kids, right? So those are kind of two areas we could go. So hit me with some thoughts around, around that. And then I have, uh, I wrote down like 10 pages uh, with a note from like page 118, page 43 of what I liked and to ask you about if we get that far. Armor. 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 As you were talking, all I could see was armor. Mm. You, know, you say you, a lot of us men want to be seen, but also we talked about it earlier. Man, we're, we, we're warriors. You know, we are fighters. We are yeah. heroes. And yes, we are. Um, but what do what do you know people who go into battle oftentimes wear is they wear armor. And what does armor do? Protects you. Yeah. It protects you. I think about that child example we talked about. Like the, we were, yes, we're adults, but we also have a child in us. We also have, but we also, and I learned this from the counselor as well. So if it's wrong, blame him. <laughs> we also have a, a shadow side to us as well. Mm. That shadow, and you know. You saw that deep breath when you said it, right? I think you all know, we all know what we're talking yeah. about. Um, that shadow is that voice of, of, of doubt, that thing that wants to protect you whenever you feel like we don't think about it. The shadow is the thing that wants to protect you when you do feel sh- shame as that little kid. Now, even as I'm saying it, you know, y'all aren't seeing me, but it's like I'm, I'm putting up this thing. Yeah. And, and so we get inside this armor as men. Think about a knight, right? A knight. You're inside this armor. And yes, you're big and you're strong and you're you know, shiny. But can anybody see you? Mm. I mean, yeah, you got the little thing you can pull up to lift up your eyes. But can anybody <laughs> really see you? Can, can you? can you move? Like, yes, you can walk and clink and clank. But can you actually move? Can you feel? As a man with armor on, can you feel? Can you? I think about how important a hug is for me, for me to my son or my son to me or any even from another man. Right. We don't talk about that enough. Like from a, whether it's a dad, a father figure, just a hug. Mm-hmm. But you have your armor on. Can you actually hug somebody? Can you feel that? You can't is the answer. And so you talked about it. Our children desperately want to see us, but no one can see us if we have our armor on. We can't even see ourselves. Look in the mirror. All you see is armor. And so the way to be who God made us to be for ourselves, for our families, for our children, it's going to sound risky. I know. Talked a little bit about it earlier. Is Yes. Number one, put the bat away. Step one. But step two, take off the armor. Take off the helmet. Move your hair around. Get it look the way it's supposed to look. Take off that big old breastplate that we wear to protect our hearts. Think about a football analogy, the shoulder pads we have on, those heavy, clanky foot, f- footwear that we wear. Take off the armor. And yes, when you take it off, you're going to look smaller than, than people thought. You may look a little <laughs> bit less than. You won't, they won't be as big and muscular, and, but you'll be even more so of a hero because people will see that you're human. Two years ago, it was a week before training camp, going on my eighth year in the NFL, and I just signed a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract, had my armor on. Thought I was the man, and I wasn't. I was struggling. We talked about it mentally, spiritually, um, emotionally struggling. And I sat down, I was sitting down with a friend, and... um, I just share with him. I was like, dude, I'm not doing good, man. And he knew me for a while. I didn't want to tell him, but he was in town when I just got into town and we met up close at the close by the airport. How are you doing, Sam? I said, man, the man I, that I want to be, that I feel like I'm supposed to be, I'm not being that man as mm-hmm. a husband, as a father, as a, as a friend. And I start sharing him just some of my struggles and some of my pains. And as I'm, and I, and I remember saying, I said, man, I, maybe, maybe, I just, maybe I just need to get back to football. Give me a week. We start, train, we start the season in a week. We start training camp in a week. Maybe when I just get back to football, I put my armor on, right? Yeah. Maybe then I'll be okay. And he looked at me and he said, Sam, if that's how you feel right now, I'm, I'm concerned about what happens when football ends for you, mm. when you retire. Or another way you could say it, when, you won't, when you're not able to put the armor on. 
And as he's sharing this, I'm beginning, I begin to, to cry. I'm starting to cry as I'm thinking about what I've been going through and he's sharing. And this guy's never seen me without my armor, without yeah. my mask, right? He ne- I begin to cry and I couldn't control it. If I would, I would have kept him from seeing Yeah. Me. And he looks at me. I've taken my armor off at that moment. And he says, it's nice to see you, Sam. It's nice to see you. Well, what do you what do you mean? It's nice to see me. I don't I'm not big and shiny and strong. And so he said, it's good to see that you're human. Hmm. It's good to see that you're human. And so what what we as dads, what we as men, and even some women listen to this podcast as well, what we need to do is we need to take our armor off. The pow the powerful metaphor of what you said is we really went into it kind of saying, you know, initially saying, see yourself and see your kids, you know, the value in that. And what I appreciated in the way that you took it is you want, or you want to be seen by your kids, right? And, and that was a big statement you made a moment ago is, is allow your kids to see you and taking that, taking that off the armor off allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Sometimes we not, we might not know really like, I don't know how to be me or who am I or, but I think if we take it all off and we allow whoever is underneath that to be seen, once we are seen by our kids, our spouse, our friends, then something gets unlocked inside of us, which sounds like that's what happened with you, which then opens the whole thing up for us to not wear masks and everyone around us to feel the freedom to do the same thing. Because our kids are never going to take their masks off if, if we never take off our own. And, and that's and that's how that's if I wouldn't have taken off my that my book, let the world see you how to be mm-hmm. real in a world full of fakes. This book that has changed not only my life but a lot of people's lives was birthed at that table. Mm-hmm. Wow, not an exaggeration, not yeah. hyperbole. That was birthed at that table. We're having a conversation. He said it's nice to see you. He actually recommended at that moment I go talk to a counselor, a therapist, someone, mentor, somebody you could talk to. And then after all that, he says, and oh, by the way, Sam, he said, he said, maybe God is writing a book in your life <laughs> and, and you may only be on chapter two. Uh... This book was birthed at that table. It was birthed at that table, but it was conceived the months, the years, yeah. over a decade leading up to it of the times of the hiding and the fear and the shame. And all of a sudden, and, and, the, and the masks and the armor, then all yeah. of a sudden at that table, I took it off. I was vulnerable and I was loved. Mm. I was seen, you talked about it earlier, I was yeah. seen and I was loved. And all of a sudden, a book is birthed. Yeah. Yes. Which then, because you decided to take the mask off, take the armor off, be vulnerable, now all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for the butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it, that it's going to be just transformational. I mean, farther than you can see. And isn't that how God works? You know, when he plants a seed and he says a hundredfold, right? It could be a hundredfold. It's that. It's submitting to that. And, uh, I just want to reiterate what your friend said, because I think that all of us could learn from that so well, you know, when you're with another dude or human and sometimes they start to cry or they start to be vulnerable, we don't know how to act, you know, so sometimes we'll give the whole, hey, everything's going to be okay. God meant this for a reason. We give terrible answers, right? We don't know how, but to one, use your name, Sam, and to say, I see you. And, and he didn't have to have an answer. He didn't have to have a solution. And and I know as a dude, as a husband, I feel like I got an answer for everything. <laughs> and my wife and kids don't really want that. And so I could take a just great you know, uh, learning from this and just to say, hey, Sarah, my wife's name. Hey, Sarah, I see you right now. That's, that's heavy. That's this. That's the, I, but just be present there. So, man, love it. Uh, love it. Okay. What else are you thinking on it? And then I could jump into some of these pieces that I just loved. You can go ahead and jump in. Okay, man. So uh, page 51, 
you know, you talk about your, because as you're becoming who you were meant to be, right? All of this is predicated on the belief uh, that when you say be you, you're not talking in kind of, you know, gosh, our modern age of like, hey, just be you, do you. (laughs) That's kind of free will to do and hurt whoever you want to. When you're talking about be you, it's coming from a foundational belief that you are a son of God. So maybe talk about the difference in that because like, let the world see you is not do whatever you want. Be you doesn't, there is no truth. There is no foundation versus the way that you say be you. I think all, I think many of us, cause people ask the question, well, how do I even know who I am or how do I, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us know who we are. We know, we know who we are, but we don't want to show who we are because we're scared or we want to be loved. That's a deep desire to be there. We all have a deep desire to be loved and we don't want to show who we are. So when I say let the world see you, that doesn't mean like, well, this is who I am and this is my truth and I'm just going to, no, like, like, yes. Letting the world see you isn't always this big, bold statement. It's mm. more of a journey, right? So for me, it wasn't like, look at me, I'm, life is horrible. No, it was like, man, this is a moment where I'm not doing so well. Yeah. And I don't even know where, I don't even know where to go with that. And that was it. And then it grew into another moment. Yes, there were some times where there were some mm. big, bold statements made. And those weren't always the right statements to be made. Right. I don't care about this. Well, there, I had a t- there was a time where uh, during that same period and a lot was going on during that period. But I went to practice one day. We were in training camp after that conversation and even sitting with the counselor and all the things I was in practice. And I was so upset. I was still trying to learn how to how to handle my emotions. And, and yeah. especially during that time, so I'm really on this journey of being me and letting the world see me. And I was so upset. And the head coach, Matt Nagy at the time of the Chicago bears. He was the head coach and I was there and we were doing this drill, this one-on-one drill, defensive ends, outside linebackers, which is me versus tight ends. And so one-on-ones and I was beating my guy, but he called it a loss or like a tie. And it wasn't just me. He had done it time and time again, we were beating them and he kept on putting it in the offense's favor, offensive coach, by the way, just throwing that out there. (laughs) And, and you, Usually I wouldn't say anything. I was kind of keeping it, but I was so mad. I said, you know, and I remember I said, no, let me go again. Let me go again. And I went up against the other guy, I threw him down, you know, and I got, I got the sack on the, you know, we have these little tackling dummies and I, and I got the sack on the tackling dummy. I get in the coach's face. Is that a sack? You want to count that one in our favor? <laughs> and and my, my teammates, even my, my position coach is like, Sam, chill out. So I'm like, no, no, that's not fair. That's not right. Right. Be you, right. Be you. No, it's like, yeah. there was, all, there are times. There are times, there are seasons, right? That wasn't necessarily the time to go in the head coach's face and try and get in the, you know, in my emotions. No, like little by little, step by step with guidance and with friends. I didn't just do it by myself. I had a, a people called a board of directors. I had about three or four friends who were just with me as I'm sharing with them, as I'm crying with them, as they're helping guide me and direct me. So yeah, be, let the world see you. Isn't this call to say, well, this is just me and my truth. No, because if it's your truth, that doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, I mean, as you're saying it, I, I think what I'm really getting out of this is, you know, this be you doesn't mean you have all the answers. Like when you say this is me and this is my truth, you're trying to take that from a stance of control and really putting a strong vibe out there, trying to convince yourself that that's the right way to go. And when you're saying be you, you're saying be you with all the vulnerable questions, like we don't have all the answers. You wrote the book, but you're not saying I have all the answers. You're being you on the journey of discovering who I am. And I think that's huge because we think of confidence as like, okay, I figured it out. Confidence isn't necessarily having it figured out. It's almost being willing to be vulnerable to say, I'm working on this. This is where I'm at. This is how I'm growing. And this is how I still need help. Like to me, that's an authentic, real person. And that's where I want to be because I definitely don't have it all figured out. And that's, and that's exactly what confidence is. We've got it all backwards. Confidence, the true, true confidence. And last story, I know, I know I'm the, you know, no, we remember the stories are good. I love them. Uh, I, I had, so mind you, I told you I got released by the bears. Yeah. I'd been released before. I didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know what my future held. 
Well, a few months later, and mind you, if any time I was a free agent, usually a few weeks, days, weeks, and I'm getting signed by a team. Well, this time, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and I still hadn't been signed. Well, a few months later, I got a call from the New Orleans Saints to go work out or essentially try out for the team. Never done a tryout before. Usually it's like, oh, we love you. We're signing you. Let's go. Well, this time, they wanted to try me out. So I went for the tryout, and I was scared. I was scared. Am I going to be enough? Am I going to, are they going to pick me? Am I going to be what they're looking for? I was scared. And I believe my friend has sent me this verse. I stumbled upon this verse and that verse in Habakkuk chapter three, 17, though the fig tree doesn't blossom nor fruit beyond the vine, the produce from all the fail, though, though, though I, even if I don't get the job yet, and still I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. In that moment, I realized, oh, true confidence isn't saying, I got this, I'm the guy, I'm going to get the job or get the girl or whatever. True confidence is saying, man, even if I don't, I'm still going to choose joy. I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to still be okay. So for me, that was a huge paradigm shift. And I hope it is for you as well. Confidence isn't saying, I got all the answers and I have it all together. No confidence says, even if it doesn't work out the way that I planned or intended, I still trust God that he's going to take care of me. That is confidence. Mm. Mm. Well, I know, I know we got to wrap up here, but I just want to point out a couple things and then you could make a comment on it because I think all you dudes out there who I know, I know you're resonating with this conversation. Um, you know, we, we talked a minute ago about saying, I don't know who I am sometimes, but in page, page 114, you talked about how you know you're walking with God and you had made a comment that you know you're walking with God when you know that what's happening isn't just you doing it. There's something bigger than yourself. And that's really submitting to the BU and the confidence we were just talking about is you can't really get to that place of even knowing who you are and walking with God if you're trying to do it all yourself and just relying on your own strength. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like David and Goliath. It's like the armor we talked about. Think about the armor we talked about. Imagine going in a battle with the armor. You feel safe and protected. And that makes total sense. Yeah. Now, imagine going to battle with no armor. And still winning. That's ridiculous. And that's how sometimes, you know, you're walking in your purpose. Think about use the story of David and Goliath. And I'll, then I'll kind of expound on the story you talked about in the book. David went to go fight this, you know, David was a, a young, small kid, 13, 14 years old, went to go fight this dude named Goliath, a giant, you know, and he didn't go in. He tried to wear the king's armor. It was too heavy. It was too bulky. It didn't fit. So we said, I don't, I, I can't do this. I'm, I will never win that way, but I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to be me. I'm going to let the world see me. David, people don't know this, but was a shepherd. Yeah. So he actually used to be out in the fields protecting sheep. And it sounds kind of lame. Oh, you're a shepherd. You're not a warrior. You're not a... No, but what was he protecting sheep from? From wolves, from bears, from lions, from coyotes. This dude was protecting Mm -hmm. And so he said, bruh, you're a human being. I fought off wolves, bears, lions. I'm not worried about you. (laughs) So let me go and use my my slingshot and my stone, just like I'd use that against the wolves and bears. I'm going to use it against you. And what did he do? He went into battle, took his armor off picked up what he had, used what he had, and he won the battle, right? Defeated the enemy. And so for me, the example you're talking about, and without going into too much detail, but it was that I got a chance to visit this prison and it was, uh, it wasn't safe. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a better way yeah. to say it. But I felt like God's power was residing in me. Even as some of these inmates were barking and yelling and screaming, I felt Yes, fear existed, but there was something that was overcoming the fear. Mm-hmm. And that was me and that was the God inside of me, the spirit of God, God inside of me. I love it because you didn't have to walk in there tall, all like, you know, poking your chest out. You're a big dude. It wasn't about you. It was about something bigger. And when you embrace that, then there's a level of freedom that comes, which is what Sam's book is all about, you guys, I mean, if you look through my pages, you'd see a good amount of underlining of things that really stuck out to me. So Sam, thank you for that. And thank you for your time to open this up. I just encourage everybody to go get the book. And I'm going to ask you my last question. It's a legacy question. So imagine, you know, uh, 30, 40 years from now, you are standing out on the street, peering into the homes of your three children. And now they are, might be married and they might have children. And what do you see in those homes? 
as you see them interacting, what do you see? And you know that it's from your day in, day out actions as a father from here until then. Okay, I'll answer this question this way. I'll look at it through my dad's eyes. My dad mm. is 70 years old and he has four kids and three, five, five grandkids. Nice. And I was like, I'm not going to mess up this math. Um, and what you see is you see joy. You see growth. You see your children and your children's children. You see, you see, I don't have the right word for it, but blossom is probably the closest. Like you just see the fruit of your labor, not monetary fruit, but like fruit, like peace. Like we, you know, a few weeks ago, me and my siblings were in Texas together for the holidays, just singing and laughing and joking and reminiscing mm. on all the times, the car rides we took yeah. to these random places, the trips we would take to Nigeria every every Christmas. We were just reminiscing on those times. And my dad and mom and dad weren't around at the time. They were somewhere else. But we just like that's what I hope for for my my kids and their kids. Unity, harmony, joy. Beautiful answer because it goes just so in line with exactly what you're talking about is, is operating your life from who you are, which is what your, your father did, what he showed you, right? You're a son of God and this is how you operate as that. And you're showing that to your kids. And that is how we be ourselves and blossom, you know, beautiful word to really like you think of blossom. It's just all open. It's free. It's joy. It's growth. It's, it's, it's evolving. And I just think, uh, it's a beautiful answer and goes right in line with, with who you are and what you're sharing. But there's pruning too. That's the last piece. I want to make sure nobody mm, forget yeah. with growth and with blossoming, there's pruning. And one of the things my dad did was the best at was that pruning his children was that pruning his children. He didn't just let his children walk all over him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some dads just say, Oh, whatever. Just let mom handle it. Whatever. No, he also wasn't so overbearing where you just felt like you were crushed. You knew to respect your dad, but you also knew you can talk with your dad. You knew that, man, that thing that he said or this thing that he's not letting me do, it doesn't, I don't like it. But deep down inside, and I believe every man has this desire, maybe women too, but I'm a man, so I know from experience. Yeah. Deep down, we all want to be guided and directed. Yes. As much as we want to rebel and create, deep down, we want to be chastised and guided and corrected because we know that helps us grow. Mm. We don't want to be on our own and just free to do whatever and live my truth. No, like deep down, we need to know, like, am I going the right way? Yeah. Yeah. Please redirect me. And my dad was, is the best at redirecting people and loving them well. We think that love is just saying, oh no, do whatever you want. Yeah, live your truth. You'll be fine. Yeah, you're married. Oh, keep on cheating on your wife. It's all good. Yeah, keep on going to strip clubs. Keep on looking at pornography. Oh yeah, man, it, you're going to be fine. No. no, 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 no. My dad's a marriage counselor. So we've seen marriages fail. Ugh, he meets, he yeah. sits with uh, you know pro athletes and other, uh, anybody. And, and, and he's going to tell you, no, man, like pornography, got to go, Right lusting with your eyes. Got to go, right? If you want to go biblical, uh, from a biblical perspective, the Bible says anybody who does that, there's no, you have no inheritance from God, right? From a biblical perspective. Now from just a non-biblical perspective, dude, it's going to ruin your marriage. For sure. So For if, sure. If, that's how you, if that's what you go to to cope, let's talk, let's go somewhere else to cope. Let's figure out what's the thing behind the thing. I have a friend named Steve Carter who always talks about, man, what's the thing behind the thing? What's causing you to go to pornography? Right. What's causing right. you to get so angry? What's causing you to, to to snap at your kids or at your wife? What is the thing behind the thing? And let's address that. Let's address the root of the problem, not what shoots off of it. And I'm going to mm. stop there because this would yeah. be a whole different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh my gosh, so good. So the thing, just to pull from that is one, men don't stop allowing pruning to have happen in your life. Go submit to it, find it, make it happen, get a mentor, submit to somebody, something, allow pruning in your life and don't, take away 
pruning from your kids because they need it. Okay. All right. Sam Ocho, everybody, NFL linebacker, speaker, podcaster, author, humanitarian, husband, and incredible father. Brother, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your life through the book and taking uh, some time to share it through the Rebel and Create podcast. And I just encourage all you to go out, buy his book today and jump into it because I know that it will transform your life. Awesome. Thanks so much. What a pleasure to have Sam on the podcast. I so enjoyed hearing him talk about his book, hearing him talk about his family, how he's very intentional in tune with himself. You know, I love the long pauses. I love the the deep thought about the question. I, I gained so much from the conversation. I hope you did too. And I encourage you, if any of it resonated with you, I mean, especially the, the beating yourself up and, and working to to discover and be the you that you want to be check out his book let the world see you very powerful very practical Uh, so thanks sam for sharing on the podcast and sharing his life through that book Hey, every Monday, I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Sam. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls under same spot, Rebel and Create, but as craft of fatherhood. Um, And I'll just discuss a topic. It's shorter, like 10 to 20 minutes long. Right now, I'm talking about annual planning and how to set time aside with yourself, with your spouse, with your kids to do planning and look towards the future. So check that out if you are looking for something shorter. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do truly matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. Perfectly plugged. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you could do me a favor, please take a minute, if you're listening to this on iTunes, to write a review as it helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Talk to you next time.